Here we, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, let's go. What's the matter? You're good. What is this? Boy Scouts? What's going on there? All right, here we go. Yeah, okay, thanks. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget that. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to forget it by the time we get to the end of the prayer. Kind of a crazy morning. What do you think? A lot of buzz in the congregation. A, little, a lot of ambient. Always feels good. A lot of ambient noise. That's good. You know, a lot going on. Kids talking back. You remember in the Old Testament, they have the covenant renewal seminary, se- seminary. covenant renewal, um, where half of Israel stands on one side of a mountain and they talk, and then it swoops across it on the other side of the, 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 the valley. They, st- they stand on a mountain on both sides. They go back and forth. You remember that? That's where antiphonal chant comes from. It was like that with the kids this morning. There's some kid over here going, ah! Then some kid over here goes, ah! It was great. <laughs> it's the church. It's the church. All right, here we go. Transfiguration. Christ our God, who was transfigured on the mountain and manifested your glory for all your disciples to see, shed your light on us too, that your servants may behold your glory and enter into your sufferings and proclaim you to the world, you who gives light in darkness and you who are yourself the light of men. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, here we go. Lots of big stuff happening here. Let's see. No Bible study on Friday. All right, no women's Bible study on Friday. Uh, school's out, uh, blah, 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 blah. No Bible study for women on, on Friday. So uh, take the hour, pray for your pastors. It'd be good for you. Uh, it'd be good for us. Uh, no Bible study on Friday. Give money to St. Matthew's Soup Kitchen. That's the extended Loza family, and they couldn't do more, more good. They could do more good if you send them some cash, so that would be good. What else we got going? Lent. Ashes in the morning, 740. Ashes at night, 7 p.m., no free dinner this week, all right? You, you need to be humiliated. So we'll give you ashes, and you don't get free dinner. Yes? There's also the children's service at Are regular people, or do you have to act like a child to come to this? You can pretend to be an adult. You can pretend. You can still be They get ashes there, too. 740, 845, or 840? 740, 840. 7 p.m. Ashes on Wednesday. Eucharist too. Uh, no dinner. Confession is there because, frankly, people in this room, you got a lot to confess. Okay, <laughs> we'll be available with shovels and wheelbarrows. Uh, you know, at the appointed time, 5:30 at the altar. All right. You should. My goal is to leave you laughing. Right, lighter than you were before. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Says Jesus. You should probably come and go to confession. Um, Leslie, you walked in right when I said you should probably come and go to confession. I didn't mean anything by it, okay? I didn't mean anything by that. It was just, 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 just rando that that actually happened, okay? Uh, let's see. Um, feedback through the week for about the Bible study. Hey, Pastor, there's so many papers we don't know where we are. Okay, I took your papers away. You only got three. Hey, Pastor, could you, you, you look like you're lost. I'm like, I am lost. Is this, uh, it should be obvious to everybody. But I know where I'm going, okay? So just relax. It's all going to be fine. Uh, it's all going to be fine. Like, you know, I know where I'm going. Just, you know, pay attention, and here we go. Uh, pause. Questions about anything? Okay, good. No, really. Questions about anything? You good? We should uh, tune up our fasting just a little bit. So I gave you, you know, you've heard this in various iterations. The easiest thing for me to print was a lecture from Arcadia. So I gave you that. Um, I want you at least to think about uh, fasting and prayer. They go nicely together. Jesus, these demons can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. So if you've got the odd demon around, this is a good time to cast them out. 
and of course fill it up with something else so these seven buddies don't come back with him. But uh, one thing I would suggest to you is, uh, you know, you remember when we started doing this a few years ago, there was sort of this nervousness and, you know, you have ringing in your ears the gospel, which will come for Ash Wednesday, which will be like, you know, when you fast, don't tell anybody, when you give, don't make a big deal, and when you pray, don't get on a street corner. You know, if that's your problem, don't do it. But um, I think maybe we have other uh, challenges in Lent. And one of them is is just sort of keeping the fast. So one of the things I'd suggest to you, you know, the notion of a group fast is as old as fasting. You remember that, so for example, we talked about this, but Yom Kippur, everybody fasts, the nation fasts. Um, you might want to think about, if you trust anybody enough, and if you can do it in, a, you know, in the way of the gospel, you might think about a group fast, or you might think of a few friends. And so you can encourage each other and also remember what it's all about, right? So the point of fasting is to focus your attention. We'll go through this in just a second. And, um, you know, to remember what matters. And sometimes painful things, sometimes disciplined things uh, help us do that. Of course, I, I quote to you always the great theologian Karl Lagerfeld, who said about designing for Chanel, love and discipline, is there any difference? I'm like, the guy should teach at the seminary. Love and discipline, there is no difference. You're disciplined about the things you love. Right? This is easy. I should go to Paris. He's old. There's a chance. Okay, so um, first this one. Okay, single page, single page, right? So if you're lost now, this is your fault, not mine. Here you go, single page, single page, right? For the honor of fasting consists not in abstinence from food, and you sort of see this at the next level, food, you know, da-da-da. Anybody can give up Snickers bars for Lent. The honor of fasting consists not in abstinence from food, but in withdrawing from sinful practices. If you see a poor man, take pity on him. Okay, you know, okay, that you can kind of get there. Uh, whoops, it's going to get harder here. If you see an enemy, be reconciled to him. I often, I, you know, from time to time over the years, I've had this urge to pause the service and sort of put people together who are unreconciled that I know about, and to reconcile myself to people who there might be um, more rub than is suitable for people who are going to share the Holy Eucharist. Um, it would be, you know, this happened in the old church, right? In the Old Testament church, or in the, in the early church. My, my favorite Eucharist story is, you know, six or 700 A.D., where the, the, the pastor says, peace be with you, with you, and, you know, it's supposed to move through, and there's the, he, he turns around to get ready to bless people and start the Eucharist, and there's two guys who won't be reconciled. He comes down. It's a famous story recorded in church history. The priest comes down between the two guys, and he just talks to them in front of the whole congregation. Hey, we're not going anywhere till we get this worked out, right? If your brother has something at you, leave your gift at the altar, go and be reconciled to him. That was in the gospel a couple of weeks ago. And you know what? Hey, we're not going any farther because we're not going to pretend like we're reconciled if we're not reconciled, right? Why be a fake church, right? Let's be a real church and work this stuff out gets harder, right? If you see a poor man take pity on him, give alms. If you see an enemy be reconciled to him, forgive and be forgiven. You remember Jesus on the cross? He forgives. Whether or not the soldiers are going to accept it, you know what? Forgiveness is there in advance. Father, forgive them. They're, they have no idea what's going on here, right? They're just pawns in a bigger story. Father, forgive them. They don't have any idea what they're doing. You are free to forgive everybody that you have a beef with, regardless of how they act. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Jesus forgives you. You forgive others. It actually, there's not a third clause there that says, just in case they forgive you back, right? So if you get an enemy, 
be reconciled to him. If you see a friend gaining honor, do not envy him. You know, be happy for that Hoosier who won $436 million, just praying that he ties to the Missouri Senate, okay? <laughs> and that at the home office, they'll reject it because they're pietists, and then they'll have to give it to St. John. It's easy. The progression is easy, right? What advantage is it if you've gone through a fast devoid of works, which, of course, means, you know, if you just sort of act like you're fasting, but you're not really, it's not really making a difference. If another says, I have fasted the whole of Lent, you should say, well, I had an enemy, but I was reconciled, right? I had a custom of evil speaking, but I put a stop to it. I had a custom of swearing. Oh, I just told the kids downstairs. When I used to teach confirmation, did you know this about me? Statute of limitations up, none of you can sue. I used to have a designated swearer in confirmation. I always had one kid. You would have been good. Hell, damn, damn hell. So I would, when I needed a good hell or a damn, I would point to my designated swearer. Hell, damn, damn hell. I'm like, this is all in the Bible. Listen, you, you have got to loosen up. You should have had a better confirmation teacher. A designated swearer is one of the best ways to keep eighth graders engaged. I'm not kidding you. We may get one for the voters meeting if you're not careful. Right? Those are all good words, right? That's an improper theological context. I, put a, I, I had to put a stop to it. I don't get to teach confirmation anymore. I had a custom of swearing, but I have broken through, and this is the good thing, evil practice. I broke through this evil practice. Now, the great thing about that is we understand about habits, right? And so for the 46 days of Lent, yes, it's 40. You don't count Sundays because every Sunday is a resurrection. Very difficult to be glum when Jesus has been you know, resurrected from the dead. So it's 40 days, not counting Sundays. But we understand that habits build over time. That, that little phrase in the gospel, or in, yeah, uh, in, the, in the thing I gave you from 1 John 4 in the sermon today, becoming perfect, right? That you're becoming perfect. Well, you just kind of get better at things. All right, big fat pack. You got it? I'm not going to go through all of this because most of you have heard it before, but I'm not, I'm not sure you, know, you can remember it. So this is just kind of the big thing. Everybody fasts. Like when, when people, you know, talk about not fasting, I mean, if Jesus walked in the door, he'd be like, are you sure you're the church? Everybody fasts in the church. It's just what you do if you're a Christian. You just do it. Yeah, you can get it wrong, or you can be sloppy about it, or you can pretend about it. That is, but that's, pfft. people have been fasting from forever. I mean, if you think about Adam leaving Eden, that's one long fast, right? So I give you Moses, David, Eliza, everybody. You need to... Um, you need to get it right. Fasting it comes to you as a gift. It's not a trade. If there's one thing you remember about the church, this is the only reason for the Reformation. If there's one thing to think about, nothing is a trade. Everything is a gift. Jesus gives you a gift. Everything you receive, you receive as gifts and blessing, even your own pain, even your own death, right? The full extent of your suffering is that you can praise God for the fact that he's letting you drop dead. Okay? Because... We welcome death as threshold, as transition to a better life, one that's free and lasts forever, right? So it's never a trade. So you have to think about everything like this. If your fasting is a trade, if you do a good work so you get something back, forget about it. Don't fast. It won't help. You might as well not waste your time. So everybody did it, and they did it as a gift. I'm turning the page. Here we go. Father Ryan, the tendency to think that God will love us if we change... No, 
God loves us so we can change. Penitential practices and disciplines enable us to appropriate and make real in our lives the freedom, right, given through grace. So discipline brings freedom. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to give you an amazing uh, little piece. It's tucked into a larger piece from the Archbishop of Philadelphia that I've been puzzling on for a while where he talks about how beauty disciplines emotions. One of the reasons it's important to have the choir sing today, was it great? It was fabulous, right? So you know what? One of the reasons you have the choir sing like that today, one of the reasons music is important, art is important, architecture is important. By the way, I think I can say this out loud, John Crow, the new organ is done. So what they do is they build it and make sure it works. Now they tear it apart and send it here. So this is true. I never knew this about big things, but that's how big things work. So, um, you know, a couple of guys will go get another load or two, and then at some point things... By next Christmas, you'll be able to sing, you know, Away in a Manger to your new pipe organ, I think, okay? We'll see what happens. By the way, um, if anybody's leaving or you know a place, we have, to, we have to, part of our contract is we provide a couple of months of housing and food for the people who install it. If anybody's, you know, going to Jamaica for a couple of months and wants to give us their key to their house, talk to us, because we do actually have a couple of guys who will need for a, whole, for a couple of months, they will need housing, and this is a thing we wouldn't have to pay for, so that would be kind of nice too. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, see, everything's connected to everything else. Fasting is really about the organ. Pay attention. It's all, it's all good, right? So love, discipline, beauty is one of the things that disciplines your emotion. If you want to isolate, it's just such a puzzle what's happening in the world today. There's a couple of things that are happening in the world today, but I've just boiled it down to one or two sentences which is when your head elder gets up and leaves, when you say, I've just boiled it down to a sentence, you've got to be kind of nervous about this. He's like, I've heard this a thousand times, Bruzek. <laughs> Listen, we lost the sense of the transcendent, right? So we lost the sense that there's anything bigger than what we see, what we hear, what we know. We've lost the sense that there's a God. When there's not a God, it's a free-for-all because everybody just does what they feel. Your emotions don't need to be disciplined. Your emotions need to be enforced. And whatever I feel, that's what's right, because I feel it, right? So interesting. Well, of course, if you actually think like St. Peter does when he uses this code word, when, when, when Peter says, this is good, kalon kalos, he says, this is good, you know, what he's actually saying is, it's the same word for beautiful, Right? So good goes with beauty, goes with the divine, goes with dropping down from heaven. What needs to happen is that good things, beautiful things, need to discipline your emotions. Welcome to Lent, right? Because guess what? You're not at point number one. You've dribbled down to point number three or four after your neighbor and you know everything else in the world. Love disciplines. Beauty disciplines. We need discipline because we're broken. And we don't know what's right. We don't know what's good. And you live in a world now. The reason the world is so confused is because everybody can say from their own pious, dirty, filthy hearts, this is what's true. So interesting this week. Did anybody see the... Oh, it's so, it's, the world is so interesting. Good thing you're prepared for it. Did you see that the New York Times adopted a new masthead motto? Did anybody get that? Does somebody, can somebody Google it up real fast? It says something like, it's about 10 words, and it's something like, it goes, it's short like reporting the truth. I'm like, ha, ha, really? 
unlike after 300 years of the Enlightenment, where we decided there's no truth, the last 300 years has, has basically been the reduction of any claim to truth. The New York Times says their new deal is they're going to report. Their, I'm just like hermeneutically, philosophically, this is you just can't, I, I can't believe that they weren't attacked, you know, by their own spawn. It was unbelievable. <laughs> You know, I, because that's not, that's the most anti-intellectual thing you can say in 21st century, Amer- not just the world, America. Did you get it? Did you find it? It's, it's right at the top. They're running it under, right under the New York Times, where all the news that's fit to print used to be. I think, I think this replaces that. Washington Post did theirs too. That, that was the, they came early, and then the Times got nervous. That was about Tuesday on Thursday. So the, democracy dies in darkness was the Washington Post, but they... Amazon owns them, so what are you going to do? Um, yeah, do you have it? Discover the truth with us. They think they're the flipping church. Discover the truth with us? But you have to embrace this, of course, because we'll hold them to it, right? Because now the debate about truth is back on the table. You want to talk about truth? Here we go. It wasn't plural, truths. It wasn't the word of the year, post-truth. It was Apparently, there's truth to be discovered. You know when you say that? And now I'm talking about the times. You say that when you're desperate. You say that when you're desperate. When all the stuff that you've tried doesn't work and the world's going straight to hell, what do people do? What do people do like when the plane is going down? Baby Jesus, come on now. (laughs) Restore that law of physics, the Bernoulli principle, less air pressure, more air pressure, and this will lift back up, right? It's the Bernoulli principle, isn't it? I thought it was. Okay, good. You don't get that at pastor school. You get, I I had to reach for that, right? Thank you very much. It's pretty soon I'm going to ask about the principle where you move things when you observe them. Is it Heisenberg? What is it? There! You know what? I'm going to quit. COD is looking for associate professors of physics. I'm going to go. I could probably make it. I just know these two things. And I only know them colloquially. They don't really matter. But Anyway, good for you. Truth is back. We're so happy. Subscribe to the Times. All right. I do. I do. I just want to say, I'm not, I, you know, I get the Times on Sunday. There it was this morning. It's so interesting. All right. Anyway, um, fasting is a gift. Receive it as a gift. Fasting is good for you. Why? Because it's discipline. Why? Because you need to be disciplined. Because why? Okay. It engages the whole person, right? It's not just about, oh, I can't have haagen It's about focusing everything on embodied Christology, right? So it's physical. I'm flipping the page. It's a response because that's how a gift works, right? You respond to a gift. And like every other prayer or every other thing, sometimes the Lord is going to respond to your response and sometimes he's not, right? For you who've been in, you know, Saturday morning, I want a pony, I want a pony. Maybe you'll get a pony. Maybe like Seinfeld, you'll leave a a pony country for a non-pony country. (laughs) Listening? Seeing who's there? You seeing this? Yeah. Who would leave a pony country for a non-pony country? I don't know, right? Crazy people, that's right. Who would fast? Crazy people. Fasting is a gift. Fasting engages your whole body. Fasting disciplines. Fasting puts the Lord on notice that you're in for the long haul. In this case, 40 days and 40 nights. Like Moses in the Old Testament today was up there 40 days and 40 nights. Like Jesus next week in the gospel will be fasting and tempted 40 days and 40 nights, right? 
Okay, so um, it's not cause and effect. Turn the page. It's not causing effect. What does it do, right? So fasting, one of the things that fasting does for you, right here at Appeal to Truth, is fasting helps us see things from God's point of view. You're mired in your own point of view. You think about yourself too much. And if you're not thinking about yourself, you only think about your kids and your life, right? Fasting helps us see from God's point of view, like he wants all his children home again. Or, you know, we do it, you know, um, this, I have to confess, stolen from a New York Times magazine article that I have no memory of now, but this line, wisdom isn't cheap and we pay for it with pain, right? Or, you know, um, breaking the fast would shatter or profane the sacred or somber moment, right? So we fast in response to something sacred. So here's something sacred. As Luke's text, text said, we read Matthew this year, but in Luke's text it says, and Jesus turned his face and he said it for the Jerusalem. And then it used the exact word. It says, and he pursued his exodus, right? For anybody who's a Jew and listening here, exodus, what? We already had an exodus in the Old Testament, right? From Egypt. Through the Red Sea into the Promised Land? Exactly right. What Jesus is doing is um, through the Red Sea with you to the Promised Land. That's what's going to happen in the next 40 days. So Jesus sets his face, right? And you remember Bernard of Clairvaux. When we pray or when we fast, God gives us what we ask or something better. Now, if you fast, don't hurt yourself. Right, and so I went through this with you. If you need to, if you need to brush this up, but this is pretty simple. I mean, you can either listen to the old tape of this, or you can just watch Dr. Oz sometime this week. It doesn't matter to me. But be careful what you're doing, okay? Um, you know, it comes in a couple of different forms. It lasts for a couple of different periods of times. I I would suggest to you, both physically and spiritually, pick something you can actually do. Don't try to do too much. You know, so if you haven't done this before, one way is just to fast. Until the morning, so when Arthur just stays in my house, we always have this complication where I offer to make him breakfast, and then he looks at me like I'm Satan because he t- he always fasts before the Eucharist. I said, you know, you can fast before the Eucharist, but we're not going to eat till one o'clock then, because it's a long morning here. And he always kind of, you know, but his custom is to, and so you could just try that if you just want to try something. You can just fast on Sunday morning before the Eucharist. That's the simplest fast. In fact, Canon Law says, I'm pretty sure. Um, you have to fast for an hour before you come to the Eucharist, right? So all your Catholic friends should be taking an hour off, right? Um, so that's just kind of a normal thing. But you could try that. You could, you could wait until noon or 3 p.m. You could only eat at mealtimes. You can do longer fasts, you know, 12 hours, 24 hours. Whatever you do, um, do, do be careful, okay? So, um, and there's difference. I give you the definitions between abstinence, which is just... Hey, you're not going to have eggs, you're not going to have dairy, you're not going to have sugar, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's one way to do it. Another way is just to go you know, dead cold, sometimes not even drinking. Be careful. You know, I'm not your doctor. I don't want to screw up your medications. All of that. Be careful if you do it, okay? Now, what this is meant to point you back to, I flipped the page, eight and nine, is the sacredness of the moment, especially the sacredness of, especially the sacredness of the incarnation, Right? especially the sacredness of the incarnation. So I sort of run you through a couple of these, the biblical stuff if you need it, 10 and 11, um, but go to 12. So if you're going to fast, just pay attention to this, right? 
start with something that's manageable. It's better to do more or do less and succeed than do more and you can't go. So start with something manageable. Um, ease into it, right? So, you know, if you have a day off during the week, you might actually fast on a day when you're not going to go to work and have a big meeting or if, if you choose to, say, fast till noon or fast till 3 or fast all day. You pick a day where you're not going to, you know, faint at your desk and get fired because I don't want that coming back on me. I got enough trouble, okay, already. Pretty soon you'll be hitting the mana fund and then, you know, it's just going to get messy. So pick a day off, all right, when you can, all right. And then the other thing is on the other end, make sure you ease out of it. So you ease into it and, you know, so take it easy. Don't eat the whole lamb butter thing at Easter dinner. I, I never saw a lamb butter till I came to Wheaton, right? And I, I went to somebody's house and I'm like, you got the baby Jesus in a butter mold? <laughs> lamb butter. Everybody has lamb butter. I'm like, local custom. So uh, ease out of it, okay? You know, get ready. Kind of, you got a couple of days. Don't take Mardi Gras too seriously. Just ease into it and then ease out of it. Now, 13, of course, pay attention. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. There, you know, this is, we're, we're talking about us. It's our tribe. We could screw up anything. So, look, this could go wrong in a thousand ways. Please be careful. Everything from cheating to failing to being proud to making fun of other people to, you know, losing your self-esteem. It can be horrible. Just be, please be careful if you do something right. Although at 14, imagine the good that might happen. Right? You start to remember that this is a sacred time. Right? And you mark it. We're going to mark it with candles. We're going to mark it with ashes. We're going to mark it with prayers. You know, there's, you remember that it's a sacred time and there's a rhythm to life. Right? There's you, you feast days and there's fast days. Today's a big day. You know, it's a white day. It's the, only, the only days that get more pressed than this are Christmas and Easter. Right? This is a big day. Um, Figure out a way to do it, and then think about all the other places, and this was the quote, where you can think about, for example, people who don't have food. You know, so one thing you could do is, you know, during Lent is every time you shop, shop for uh, the food pantry. You know, we have a food pantry. People bring, there are some people who bring food every service. They drop it downstairs, and somebody picks it up once a month and takes it to, to poor people. You know, one thing you could do is every time you shop, Shop for other people. It's a kind of fasting. You have less, they have more, right? So just think about um, how that works, right? Look on the next, this next page, you know. Um, the great advantage of riches, I mean, you should, you should really, and I should think about this too in terms of, not just in terms of food, but in terms of money and how much we have. And, you know, you know the problems we have are really first world problems and kind of even beyond that. The troubles we have are, 90% of them aren't really troubles. The greatest advantage of riches isn't using them for an individual specific pleasure, but for the welfare of many people. You know what the fun is of winning the lottery? Giving it away to all your friends. What if you'd have won the lottery and you'd have called up you know, um, 400 of your best friends and said, hey, you're a millionaire, congratulations. Come on, that'd be fun, right? My number, cell phone, 630. <laughs> Always available. Right? Not for your immediate enjoyment, but for the righteousness that never passes away. Come on, you're only going to be here 60, 70, 80 years. Stop wasting time. There's a lot of people in need. Therefore, by all means, we do not hope to receive something in return for showing mercy. It's not a trade. We must expect the reward for such duty to come from God alone. If you expect it from others, 
then what you did wasn't kindness, but lending something with interest. Isn't that great? Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, we heard this a few weeks ago, give and expect nothing in return. If you want to sum up the Christian life, there it is. Give and expect nothing in return. It's one of the most difficult things that you give a gift to somebody and you expect nothing back. Give and expect nothing in return. Otherwise, you're just charging interest. Very interesting way to think about it. Those who act for themselves and not for the sake of others don't deserve to be rewarded. Jesus, Wednesday, the gospel will say, show off on a street corner, you've had your reward, okay? Tell everybody how painful it is to fast, congratulations, that's all you're getting. Those who act for themselves and not for the sake of others don't deserve to be rewarded. Yet whenever people give to others without seeking their own advantage, they really give to themselves because God will reward them. It's not cause and effect, it's fact of the matter. God is merciful, and he's merciful in all kinds of ways, and he loves you, and he'll care for you. Now go out and live your life, okay? All right, I'm spinning through, you know, all the other things, repentance and discipline, justice and new habits and space and time. And don't forget that the demons um, flee. Jesus says, you know, some demons, and you can couple this with a prayer that says, you know, in these holy days of Lent, drive far from me the evil one and all his minions. I mean, um, you know, you can, you can rid your life in your house for 40 days and 40 nights of those sorts of things, the stuff that makes the hair rise in the back of your neck. Last page, everything goes toward living someday before the face of Jesus in beauty and love and mercy and light and all the things that were on the mountain. So um, you live your life back to front. You know this. You, I mean, all these things I've told you, you've heard before, but it's good to just kind of pull them up front now for Lent. You live your life back to front, which is, this is the, it's interesting you know, the sermon this morning, but the previous Bible studies on anger, worry, fear, and anger all go away in the same way. Worry, fear, and anger, the things that trouble us most, they all go away in the same way. They go away because you know the end of the story. The end of the story is that God will gather you near. It's that, it's that great margin comment where, where he says the guy's worried about, his, about dying and he dies and he sees Jesus and Jesus pulls him up close. You remember this? And he washes him up and he anoints him with oil and he says, now go over there and play. Right? I mean, that's it. Right? So someday Jesus is going to pull you near and say, he's going to wash you up. All the things you've done, all the things you are, all the places you were short, all the places you were stupid. He's going to wash you up, and then he's going to anoint you, it says, with sweet-smelling oil. And then he's going to say, why don't you go over there and play for an eternity? Go over there and play. Right? Because you know that, it relativizes all the rest of your life. Hey, You can be kind to other people, not only because Jesus asks you, but in the end, this is how it's all going to work out. You can live in the image of God. You can give without expecting anything in return because, you know what? Um, That's what Jesus did. And he'll show you a life that's remarkable beyond this life that engages that forever. So it's difficult for us. You know, it's not natural to us. You know, we live by our emotions. We don't like to be punched in the nose. We don't like to be cheated. Um, Thank God the truth is back. And we now can, you know, talk about this again. It's just a, such a beautiful thing. I live in a whole new world since Friday when this was announced. I, mean, I just feel so much better about my whole life. So, I mean, between the New York Times and the baby Jesus, I'm like, yay Lent, right? Here we go. All right, so um, keep going. You got any, any So last thing, you know, um, 
This is the bottom line. If fasting helps you love God and serve your neighbor, you got it right. If not, you got it wrong. Um, you can either abandon it till next year, or you can get some help from your friends, talk about it a little bit, or you can um, repent of it and start over, you know, whatever. But I just think there's probably a high enough maturity level in this congregation that you can probably not only do it and not be a weirdo, you can probably um, have a few friends help you and maybe do a better job of it. I mean, if five or ten of you got together and said, hey, every time we buy groceries, we're going to give it to the, we're going to give it to the food kitchen or food pantry, I mean, that'd be, that'd be a fabulous kind of thing. You know, we kind of lull right now because we, we have the big push um, for Christmas sharing. It's fabulous. Then we have a big push gifts for grace. That's fabulous. And then, you know, we sort of, we sort of concentrate on your own souls a little more during Lent. We don't try to have the men's and women's retreat here, but just think about still, you know, I mean, I know you have, it's a good time to take a look at yourself, but also try to, try to, um, try to look at the world around you and try to do some good. And it doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what anybody, the only thing that matters is what the baby Jesus thinks about you, right? Right? That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. So, um, have a go. All right, good. You tuned up. Questions about anything? For most of you, that is old news, but I just wanted to, the transfiguration is the, is the pivot, right? So Wednesday, off to Lent. Questions about anything? Good. Krista, yes, please. You can, she's not, the, I mean, come on. Jesus cried more than that on Christmas. It's, it's, it's going to be all, it's okay. I love that kid. Yes, please. Gunter. I don't really know, Gunter, if she means when you give things to her or when she gives things to you. It's always weird to do marital counseling in a group. But I but I'm older and I have some experience now. Yeah, oh no, yeah. Hey, um Maybe we should just go into German. Most people won't be able to understand. Listen, of course you would like, so two parts to the question. So the question is, if you give a gift to someone, I want to make sure I said it right, is it wrong to expect a thank you or hope for? Yeah, exactly. grandchildren, children, anything. Well, buy them stationery and a new pen for Christmas, <laughs> along with the Dear Abby letter that says about how grown-ups... Give them a subscription to Miss Manners, right? I mean, that's what... Yes. Yeah, so there's a couple of different questions in there, right? So when you have a responsibility to raise children, you teach them to say thank you, right? Um, and life is richer... Life is richer when you... when someone thanks you for a gift, Right? What happens is your relationship kind of goes to another level. Um, So here's what I would say. Um, Jesus gives his gifts expecting nothing in return. That is, and it means this. It means he's going to give the gift regardless of who people are or what they might do with it. So, I mean, he gives himself to us, right? Baby in a manger... Right, so this is a weird. This is kind of a weird God, a God who would say, "I'm here, only you can't talk." The angels have to say that, and so kind of a strange God that puts himself in your arms. What are you going to do with him? Um, well, we get it's a bad story. We end up crucifying him, and then there's Easter, and he says, "I'm back, second chances." Right? It's going to be this is going to be great. 
Um, so in one sense, you just do it. But the next level is, and you know this about, can you remember the first time you kissed Gunter? <laughs> Think about it. Yes, I know. Hey, look, we're all adults here, Gunter. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, so here's the thing. It's nice if he kisses you back, right? I mean, you can kiss Gunter. In fact, I would like to kiss Gunter right now, right? So you can kiss Gunter, and then it will get better if he kisses you back. I mean, the first kiss is great. And then it'll get better if he kisses you back. And then, of course, if you, you know. So the, the answer is no and yes, right? We do what we do because it's the right thing to do. But on those brilliant days or times when other people respond not in hate but in love, the world is a brighter place, right? And you can talk about this with your friends. You suddenly have friends, for example. I was thinking about friends driving over this morning, and I was thinking about an old friend that I've had since I was in seventh grade or eighth grade, you know. And I was thinking about how no matter when I talk to them, it's just like nothing ever. It's like there is no time, right? What a remarkable kind of thing that is, there is no time. Well, that's because he at some point responded to my friendship. Love is like that. Giving gifts are like that. You do the right thing no matter what anybody else does. But when people reply to you, uh, life is a richer, better place. It's sort of, uh, it's like the transfiguration. You see just a little bit of heaven breaking in. And just imagine if you could have a room full of people who all do that, right? This is kind of why we talk. So you don't do it because it's a transaction, you love people because love is wonderful, right? So um, grandchildren and kids are a different dealio because you have to teach people. There's different ways to discipline them. And if, and if beauty doesn't um, discipline them, then that, that Gravely strap that my dad had that he used to start the Gravely tractor with. Apparently your dad didn't have a Gravely tractor. But anybody, anybody have a Gravely, right? You know what a Gravely is? Pull strap, leather thing, leather, you pull it. Yeah. It was bad when my dad reached for the gravely strap when he wasn't starting the lawnmower. You know what I'm saying to you? That was a bad day. So, um, you know, but I love him. I, there's, there's nobody I think more fondly of than my father. Yes? When the uh, ten lepers were healed. Yeah. And the one came back. Right. And Jesus' comment was, we're not ten healed. Yeah. What? Was the, was the comment for the one that came back as, as saying, you know, well done, you came back? Sure. Or, it's both of those things, right? He's disappointed because he loved somebody and they didn't love him back. But then you sort of, you, you dance with who brung you, you know? Look, what is, I mean, you know, what is the great risk of love? That you're not going to be loved back, that you're going to have your heart broken, right? That's the ten lepers story. It is what it is, Karen. Karen Crawford, I love you. Um, well, take it a step further than if, if someone wrongs me, am I wrong to expect an apology? Dave. <laughs> <laughs> You hope for an apology, but, you know, I, I mean, see, let's just, just think about how, this is your clever, Karen, this is, just think about how you say that. Can I expect an apology? Yeah, under the law, you can expect an apology. Under the gospel, 
you've already forgiven the wrong, so what difference does it make? But that's, it's, it's dang hard to live that way, I'll tell you, right? And it's hard to live that way over a long period of time. And we can use that as a reason to be abusive or even unjust toward other people or a race of people, right? So you have to be startlingly careful with that. Love is a weird thing. We should talk about it someday. I'm scared of you, Marianne, but go ahead. Well, sometimes when I'm not feeling the love for my adult children. Yeah, see, here's the thing. This is not, this is not a good idea, okay? Because th- they're not here. Gunter was here. David is here. This is not a good idea, Marianne. I can't stop you, but this is not a good idea, okay? Yeah, that's what a psychiatrist would call triangulation. And whenever that happens, then we should pray. Okay, so um, come back next week. We'll do something else. All right, see you Wednesday. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, see you next week. Happy Lent.